0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Taylor Vipolis talking some UNC football. Taylor, before we get into it though, man, it's been a while since you and I
0: talked. So how's life been treating you lately? Going good. The only complaint would be uh, Liverpool. My soccer team—we're getting chased down by Man City. I know you support Man City, so kind of expecting you to say something. But it's—it's it's tough knowing you guys are breathing right down our neck.
1: No, I'll—I'll I'll save that for Twitter, where you and I can uh, jaw back at each other on that. Um, you know, I—I I will just throw it out there that my team does wear sky blue. Your team wears red. So, you know, I'll let the <laughs> listeners decide who's in the right there. Oh man. Well, um, wanted to go over an interview that you recorded earlier with former UNC player Kareem Martin, who I was a big fan of Kareem when he was at Carolina. I know that he's pretty popular on, on the message board still. Overall, a great guy. So we'll get into that later on. But first, man, I know that you've been following the recruiting and today being Wednesday, UNC just landed yet another four-star in-state wide receiver, Josh Downs. And this guy was a state legacy type player. So when you're seeing these wide receivers commit to Mac Brown-Taylor, what thoughts are going through your head? And do you think it has anything to do with the new air raid style of offense that Phil Longo is bringing to Chapel Hill?
0: Uh, yeah, there's this group chat that I'm in with uh, a couple former players. And uh, the message basically was, you know, another day, another four star players coming. And it's really amazing to see what Mac Brown has done and how he's getting these recruits to buy in so early so far in his tenure. Um, before he's even playing a game, he's establishing a top 20 recruiting class for 2020. He finished the 2019 class in the top 40. When your team who has won three games two seasons ago and uh, what was it two games this year, it's it's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do for the results we've seen in the past and how he's kind of bucking those trends and just going out on the recruiting trail, getting kids to buy in. It's you know he hasn't coached since. F- six, seven years, and he's still able to go out, connect with these kids, sell them on his vision, sell them on why North Carolina is the program to be. And it's it's definitely an exciting time around North Carolina. And then with Downs, you get another four-star receiver, the second one this week. And I think the reason why he's – why Mac Brown and Longo are able to get these big players right now in – Uh, A system that you don't really know how it's going to work with North Carolina is because of Longo's success at Ole Miss. Right now, if you look at the 2019 NFL Draft Board, the top two receivers are A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. And both those guys played at Ole Miss under Longo, thrived in his system, really were able to kind of display every talent that you're kind of looking for as an NFL scout Because every every recruit, no matter you know whether you're four star, three star, five star, your your ultimate goal when you're picking a school is you know who's going to prepare me the best in my life and who's going to give me the best chance at playing at the next level. And Longo's success speaks for itself when you're looking at the 2019 NFL draft and he has two guys who are probably going to go in the first round, playing the position that you're coming to recruit that you're coming and getting recruited for and playing in that system. What do you think
1: specifically about the air raid offense that makes it, you know, just work so well for wide receivers? Is there like, obviously it's focused on the, the passing attack. That's just at a very basic level, but digging a little bit deeper, you know, what is it that just truly stands out as being so effective to get wide receivers the ball in space and allow them to just use their natural talents?
0: Yeah, I think when you're calling plays, sometimes it's really easy to overcomplicate things and kind of outthink yourself. But in Longo's air raid system, it's, it's pretty simple. You don't have uh, too many routes in the route tree. And it's just find your best players, get them the ball in space, let them, let them do the rest. And as a receiver, you know, that's what you love to do. You love to make those catches and then you love to try to make that one guy miss and, and break it for a touchdown. Every catch you're thinking you're going for six anyways. So I think Longo system puts his guys in a position where it's, it's, you're, you're not overthinking what you're doing out on the field. Um, it's not this complex route tree. It's not this 100-page playbook. Um, I think it's going to be pretty simple for the guys to get down and be able to do what they do best. So
1: what I'm hearing is that you wish you had a couple years of eligibility left so you could uh, you know, go out there and play in this system, huh?
0: Uh, there's no coach in the country whose system... I think I would be thriving under right now. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I would love to play under a system where my teammates could flourish and be in that locker room is the better way to phrase it. There you go. <laughs> well, let's go ahead
1: and uh, and transfer into the interview with Kareem Martin, then Taylor. And for the listeners of, of the podcast here, explain to them kind of your thought process when you go into these interviews with former players, do you have like a set, maybe topic that you're wanting to dig in with them? Are you trying to maybe get an answer to a specific question? What's your preparation for those in general?
0: A lot of these players, they're, once they're going to the league, you don't really hear too much about them um, from a Carolina perspective. It's more like if you hear Mitch Trubisky talking, he's you know talking about what the Bears are doing. It's It's not really so much reflecting on his time at UNC or how UNC kind of developed him into what he's doing or or you know how his how he's seeing his career progress through his eyes so that's really what I was trying to do with Kareem a lot of these you know UNC fans while they might be keeping up with like maybe his stats and what team he's on they don't really get the chance to hear from him so I'm just trying to help the fans kind of catch up with everything in the player's life and with Kareem it ranged from you know why he left the Cardinals and why he signed with the Giants um what he's doing off the field he's got this new love for photography and switching communities into New York how he's already getting engaged in the community and trying to make that place a better place so I think it's just really cool to kind of hear from these guys a lot of these guys are guys that I haven't talked to and quite quite a while either. So it's just always a great time to catch up and let the fans kind of know what's going on in their lives.
1: And then as far as scheduling goes, is that just something that you have to work out with the player themselves? Or do you find yourself going maybe through agents or teams or other
0: intermediaries? Most of the the players that I'm talking to, I'm just going through myself just because we shared the same locker room. Um, I have their numbers or if it's somebody like Kareem who I wasn't as close with Kareem, um, but it's somebody who, you know, you're always one person away from being able to get somebody's phone number and getting in contact with, even though I didn't have Kareem's number, you know, it still was great to catch up with him and see, you know, where, where his life is going. And I know I speak for a lot of UNC fans when I say like, we're, we're proud of all these guys who were going out doing, living out their dreams and, kind of putting their best foot forward, representing UNC.
1: All right, man. Well, hey, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we will go ahead and play the interview that you recorded with Kareem Martin. So everyone that's listening in, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Taylor Vipolis. So Taylor, we mentioned the interview that you did with Kareem Martin before we went to, to break. So let's go ahead and play that audio now for everyone. And then we'll break it down a little bit afterwards.
0: What's up, Tar Heels fans? I'm joined by one of my former teammates, Kareem Martin, who's currently with the New York Giants. Kareem, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good, man. Can't complain.
0: You had a great career at North Carolina, and you're from Roanoke Rapids. And one of the things that Mac Brown is kind of prioritizing now is keeping the best players in North Carolina in North Carolina. So what did it mean for you to kind of stay home and represent for the Tar Heels?
2: Um, it, it was a big deal for me. <laughs> like you said, I like, I like what Mike Brown's doing, trying to get it back home and, and get you know the guys to stay in stay state because we've lost a lot of top talent to you know other schools. And I think that should be as big an emphasis because there's a lot of football talent in the state of North Carolina. I mean, we're represented in the Super Bowl pretty heavily and in the playoffs, a lot of guys in the league. So I feel like there's no need for us to, to go to other states. And I felt the same when I went to North Carolina. We had a lot of talent. When I took my visits, and I figured it was something, you know, that we could turn into a great football program.
0: Now, when you look back on your time at Carolina, what would you say were some of your favorite memories?
2: Uh, some of my favorite memories, I would say probably my, my senior year. Um, that year, we didn't get off to a great start. Uh, you know, it, it was something where guys could have pointed fingers, kind of packed it in and played for self, But I felt like we rallied around each other, and. know, we were able to finish the season with a winning record, a bowl victory, and uh, it kind of took us out on top, you know, as far as seniors, and and that season, even though it wasn't uh, the best season as far as the team that I had been on at Carolina, it was, you know, the most memorable, and it it meant the most to me based off the adversity that we faced early in the year and how we were able to overcome that, and I just spoke to the character of the guys on that team.
0: Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with you, you were definitely one of the most vocal leaders and. Just seeing you dominate some of those games. I think the pit game you had like three yeah. and a half sacks, two fumble yeah. recoveries. What's what's it like when you're in a game like that where it feels like no matter what you do, it's working and you're just dominating the guy across from you?
2: Um, it's a unbelievable feeling. Um, you know, it's, it's just a moment you hear Guys say all the time that they're in the zone mm-hmm. and and like everything's working, and, and that's how that day felt for me. Uh, you know, I, I remember it. I felt pretty good going out that day. And, you know, once you get one sack kind of early in the game and everything else after that is icing. So, you know, I know I could kind of let it go and and kind of just play my game. And, you know, we were able to come out there with a big victory and I was able to uh, have a great game personally.
0: So you finish your senior year strong and you get drafted that the following spring. How would you kind of put into words that moment when you got drafted? You know, where were you? Who were you with? What was that like?
2: Uh, that was that was a, a moment I, I will never forget. And, uh, it was, it was a small setting. It was me, my mom, my sister and my grandma. We were just in the living room. Uh, we know it around. We watched the draft the last two nights, uh, or the first day of the draft. Then we get to the second day knowing that this would be the day that, you know, I have a great chance of being picked. And, you know, I, I, I got a couple of phone calls, but then I got the phone calls, ultimately, the phone call ultimately from the Cardinals. And, and just to be able to, you know, hear your name, call you know, by the commissioner, and uh, and for for about two minutes, you know, I'm I'm the person that's being talked about, you know, across the football world. So that that was an exciting moment, you know, to share with my family, and uh, you know, it's just a blessing, something that I've always dreamed of happening, and I was able to accomplish that.
0: Then you gotta ask the follow up question: What was the first thing you bought with your first NFL contract?
2: My the first thing I bought. uh Well, the first big purchase was uh, I bought my mom a car. That was probably the the most meaningful thing. Um, You know, something she always wanted and I said when I would get the opportunity to, I would I would provide it for you. And luckily I was granted that opportunity by being drafted. And, uh, you know, that that moment right there is probably second on the list as far as, like, top moments in my life, the one being drafted. And then just being able to see my mom, you know what I'm saying, seeing how happy I was able to make her at that time. So that was that was great.
0: Yeah, you realize your dream of playing in the NFL. But when was the first moment where you kind of knew you were good enough to play in the NFL?
2: Um, it probably came my sophomore year. I think that, that was a big thing for me. I had I had a really good camp, and uh, and I was able to be the uh, starter coming out of camp. And on that team, there was a lot of talent, you know, on the defensive line. And and at that moment, I knew uh, as long as I Stay on my right path and, and continue to grind and continue to you know keep my head down and working. I can make those dreams a reality. I had a, and then that season I played pretty well. So, at that moment I knew, okay, it's on me. You know, I can get to that next level. I just got to put the work in now. So, and that's what I did.
0: So you play four years with the Cardinals and then this past off season you signed with the Giants. What kind of led to that decision?
2: Uh, you know, NFL is a business and this was the. That was the best, uh, you know, fit for me at the time. You know, being having the familiarity with the uh, defensive coordinator, and uh, you know, in New York, I I like the the trend that that we're uh, heading towards in the organization, the excitement with with Coach Shermer. You know, just a lot of excitement around this place, and I and I wanted to be a part of that. So, you know, it was an easy decision for me.
0: Now, part of that move, you switched from a DN to more of like an outside linebacker. How has that position change?
2: Uh, outside backer, you know, it's, it's not too bad. In um, my last couple years in Arizona, I was I was switched to outside backer. And, you know, there, there's a slight adjustment because you notice things like dropping in your cover that you're not used to. But for the most most part, it's a glorified defensive end. You're setting edges. So that part of the transition uh, wasn't too tough. I think the, the thing that I liked about moving is I learned football a lot more because you know, before as a defensive lineman, you only think about line stunts and what's in front of you never think about the back end. Mm. But actually, actually dropping in coverage just gave me a, a better understanding of defensive football as a whole, and, and I started to appreciate it a lot more.
0: You go from Arizona to New York, so how was how the weather adjustment?
2: <laughs> uh, that was a big adjustment. Uh, <laughs> here you never know what you're going to get. Uh might like rain one day, this time of year it might snow, might be it was 60 degrees yesterday or something like that. Arizona, it's either hot or it's about 70 degrees, so you only got one or two things. That was, that was a big adjustment, but luckily uh, this season we didn't have too many games where the weather was horrible, so we kind of lucked out in that sense.
0: Something that always gets talked about is it's people always say it's tougher to play in New York because of you know the media scrutiny. All fans kind of expect their teams to win, but it feels like it's magnified in New York where – every week, every year, it's, you know, Super Bowl robust. Do you kind of feel that in New York, that kind of, like, added sense of pressure?
2: Uh, You know, the media's everywhere, but here, you know, it's bigger because all the media markets are here, most of the main companies, you know, that have headquarters in New York, so they have a lot of access to us. But, I mean, one thing with the media, as a player, you just, you just keep your head down. You know, I personally don't read, you know, press clippings, whether good, bad, or indifferent. I mean... You know, it's it's more, it could be a distraction for some people. So I'd rather not, you know, listen to it. But as far as, you know, when we're good, we're good. So I don't feel like the media plays too big a role. I don't think a lot of guys pay attention to it as much as, you know, people may think.
0: This season, you face Mitch Trubisky and Eric Ebron. What's it like seeing those guys now on the other side of the field and going up against them?
2: It's it's pretty cool, you know, to uh, see guys, you know, you grinded with and you came into school and, you know, kind of just spent a lot of time with each other. And, and you see the work that we've all put in and, and you know, the work ethic and the grind. And, and just to see it all pay off, you know, all of us been in the league for this long and just seeing the success that guys are having, I mean, it makes me happy, you know. Now, when I'm out there, I'm trying to beat them. But, you know, after the game, it's, you know, it's just always a, a, a moment of brotherhood and family, you know, that's that's unmatched that you don't get anywhere else even though, you know, we don't see each other on the daily. But those three or four years in Carolina with those guys, you know, still plays a big part.
0: When you left, was Mitch still on scout
2: team? Uh, yeah, but I think so. Cause I think I played one year with Mitch, and he was on scout team. But, at, but we knew he was – I think he was still getting, like, second reps, so he wasn't with us, Yeah, but he would be over there. But we knew, I knew court, from yeah. – yeah, I knew he was uh, going to be a quarterback. Um, when he got there, you know, he just kind of had that 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 swag that a quarterback has. And you know, after leaving for a couple of years and I came back to homecoming. I think they played Miami. I want to no, not Miami. Who they played? Duke. Mm. I want to say a couple of years ago. And I saw him making some throws out there, like in person. I seen him on TV, and I was like, okay, he, he he got what sw- he got what it takes, to, you know, play on Sunday and play at a high level. And you could see that him getting uh, in the stretch football nine. So, congrats to Mitch on that.
0: This season, you also versus guys like Cooper, uh, Zach Brown in D.C. Uh, I think you played the Bucks and MJ Stewart. Is there any talk leading up to those games between you guys, or is it just once you see him on the field?
2: Uh, it, it's more so once you see him on the field because, like I said, we have a decent amount of guys in the league, so it's one of those things where you kind of get to, like, that Saturday or that Sunday, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, Napa I got I. such and such plays for them. And so it's always kind of a nice surprise sometimes, you know, you'll see a guy who you don't know. Was on the team, and and it's always good to just see guys, you know, continue to make a make a footprint in the league, especially with Carolina.
0: Another guy with the Carolina connection, but we didn't have the chance to play with him, Julius Peppers. He recently just announced his retirement, and I feel like yeah. all defensive players, especially those that play at North Carolina, kind of look up to him. Have you ever gotten the chance to meet with him and talk with him with that UNC connection?
2: Uh, I haven't had. To- I- I've met him before, but I haven't had time, you know, to talk extensively with him. But you know. Like I said, he's a legend. Now. I mean, he's from North Carolina, took the North Carolina route, you know, and just dominated at every level. And one of the greatest of all time. And just the, the fact that I played in the years five years, you know, at the same time he's been in the league, he's been played 17 years, it just shows you his longevity and, you know, how he can stay at the top of his game for so long. I mean, not many guys have been able to do that in the history of the game. And just being able to say, you know what I'm saying, I went to the same school, walked the same campus. And that's a pretty special thing.
0: Obviously the Giants, you know, you guys didn't have the season that you guys would want to have. But at one point this year you won four out of five games, including a great win against uh Mitch Trubisky and that Bears team. So how close do you think this team is is to getting back into contention? Because we see it all the time where um you're getting a bunch of new playoff teams every year.
2: Yeah. Um I think I think we're right there. Uh you know, one thing in football is experience with everything. So, you know, having gone through this, we felt, you know what I'm saying, how it feels to not be able to pull out the end of the game. And I don't think guys will forget that that feeling. So having experienced that, we'll grow this off season through OTAs when, when we check back in mandatory manage our camp and through training camp, ultimately to, you know, fix those kinks or whatever we had in those games that, uh, you know, caused the, the outcome. But I think our future is really bright going forward.
0: Switching off the field, I saw on social media you were getting out in the community in Newark delivering mattresses to families in need. How did that opportunity kind of come about?
2: Um, so the group is Project Kind. Uh, a few months ago, or almost a year now ago, when I first signed with the Giants, uh, they had a community service opportunity for me. It was with uh, Toyota and the group Project Kind. And, there's this lady named Miss Jenny who just does a lot of homeless outreach in the Newark area, and uh, you know she she helps provide whatever you know the needs of these people. And uh, when I went to that event, you know it kind of something that kind of stuck with me because homelessness, you know, a lot of people may think it's a decision, but it's not. You know, one medical bill or or something unexpected pops up, you know, and people, are, you know, what I'm saying, will be facing homelessness. And, mm-hmm. and once I kind of saw that up close, and I kind of wanted to help. And so I was able, you know, uh, to get a partnership with a mattress company that would provide mattresses to those people who are coming out of homelessness so that they'll have no mattress to sleep on once they finally have a place. And, you know, that's that's been going on really well. And Ms. Jimmy has done a lot of great work out there in the community. And tomorrow mattress, you know, thank those guys over there for uh for helping, you know, such a tremendous thing and such outreach.
0: Even dating back to the UNC days, I – always remember you being somebody who was really heavily involved in the community. And now you move to a new area and you immediately get involved. Why has that kind of always been a priority for you?
2: Um, Because as an NFL player, or even as a division one player at the time, you know, you're in a position that, you know, very few people are in or have, have been in. And so the fact that, you know, someone may can say they've met an NFL player or, or something like that, you know that 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 can change lives you know even even though I'm not doing much, but you know that can have an effect on on people's lives and you know it can give them hope and things like that so if if I have the time and you know I can go out there and get in front and have my face shown to to provide hope or help with other people, you know I'm willing to do it
0: mhm maybe a uh, a life outside of football you have this new love for photography, I see your instagram yeah. vision underscore ream if anybody wants to check it out and. I've under, I understand it's got, yeah, hit them with a follow. I understand it's gotten you into like art shows and exhibits. Where did, where did that kind of come from?
2: Yeah. So, uh, photography is something I had, I had an interest in, but, uh, you know, I I never kind of really jumped on it and bought a camera, but when I moved here, uh, a couple of guys I was hanging out with, uh, you know, they had cameras, so they kind of taught me a little bit and so I decided to buy one and, you know, it was something I just kind of fell in love with. Know, kind of immediately because you know there's no right or wrong in photography or, or in art in general you know it's all it's all about how I perceive and how I how I see something so I, I kind of like that idea of it and you know it's, it's I mean in the short time it's taking me a long long way I, be, I was able to uh submit about six pieces to Art Basel uh down in Miami it's one of the bigger art shows you know maybe in the world and so being able to have my artwork being seen you know, and it being something outside of football that people may know me for now, you know, some people may not know I play football or or whatever, but they've seen my photography and that's, and that's just, I feel like that's growth for me, you know, as defining myself, you know, to the people outside of football, because like I say, more than a football player, more than an athlete. So that's a big thing for me.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of, a lot of Tari fans and myself included, we're proud of you and wishing you the best this upcoming season. Just wanted to take the time to say thank you for uh, talking to me today.
2: I appreciate it, man. No problem.
1: All right. So there you go, guys. Uh, the interview between Taylor Vipples and Kareem Martin. And so, you know, Taylor, after you were done with the interview, what was kind of your number one takeaway after hearing what Kareem's up to now and kind of how his NFL career went?
0: My biggest takeaway, I would say, kind of finding out his love for photography, because I think a lot of, a lot of players it almost seems like they don't have like um they think they're just going to play football forever but with Kareem i think he has his head on really straight where he he found something he loves to do he's good at it his art his uh, photography is already going in like art shows and everything and i think it was cool to kind of hear from him and talk from him like you know football is not going to last forever he has to find other things that he loves. And it's awesome that he was able to find something like photography so quickly.
1: And so Taylor, I also got the sense, you know, from hearing you and Kareem talk that there is just that real sense of camaraderie between the former players that have, have obviously given everything for Chapel Hill. And, you know, just speak to us on that and how that kind of really is a thing there. And also what was kind of a, a, maybe a memory that you have from when you and Kareem were on the team at the same time?
0: Yeah, Kareem went first just because I felt like he owed me for, you know, giving him a great look on scout team for for my first two years on the team and, you know, putting him in a position to where he could flourish on Saturdays and eventually make it to the NFL. A lot of – I took a lot of jet sweeps where he was setting the edge <laughs> and knocking me into next week. So I I felt like he owed me a little, but – it's it it's really a family-like atmosphere with Carolina. Like, I hadn't talked to Kareem in probably maybe two years since I saw him uh, one game when he came back to UNC, and just talking with him and catching up, it felt like, you know, we were still in that locker room. And I think it's just a testament to it doesn't matter, you know, who you were recruited by, um, who you played for, how much you played, how much you won games, like, we had years where we didn't win and we had years where we won a lot of games, but it doesn't matter because we all, we all went through that same experience. We all fought for Carolina and put our best foot forward for Carolina and we're proud to represent Carolina. And it's just, it's just something you see no matter, no matter when you played and what error you played for Carolina, we all share that love and uh, respect for each other. And coach Mac Brown
1: has been very active on social media between he and his staff where it looks like they're reaching out to a lot of those former players. I mean, he's got Dre Bly on staff. Um, They've been posting and really talking to a lot of those former guys. Just from what you're hearing in the few months that Mac has been the head coach, do you get the sense that there may be more emphasis on trying to get former players back to Chapel Hill for games and kind of maybe grow some of those
0: family lines that maybe have not been there in the past? I think coach Brown has put, has definitely put a big emphasis on, you know, getting former players back. Um, kind of like I was saying before, it doesn't matter when you played, who you played for, as long as you played for Carolina, you know, he knows that without, without everyone who's played, this program wouldn't be where it is today. It wouldn't be where he's trying to take it going forward. So I think he has a, a huge amount of respect for, um, anybody that's ever put that jersey on and he definitely he definitely wants guys getting back to Chapel Hill and being proud of UNC just because he knows how special a place it is and how important everybody is to the program to be good ambassadors and help sell his vision on why you know a 17 year old 18 year old kid should be coming to UNC and calling it his uh, forever home Well, clearly that
1: recruiting pitch has been working so far, especially within the Tar Heel State because, I mean, we talked about it in the first part of the podcast, landing Josh Downs, another four-star. I mean, things are really starting to pick up. And as far as as your interviews to Taylor, how's that going to be picking up, man? Do you got some other names uh, kind of in mind that you're wanting to try to reach out to to see what they're up to and then release those for the inside
0: Carolina crowd? Yeah, I'm definitely trying to get in touch with as many former players as I can. It's just kind of hard right now getting on their schedule and getting on my schedule and seeing when we could work out a time to sit down and talk for 30 minutes. But I've had some uh, talks with guys like Trey Boston, Matt Collins, trying to talk to Neutron Means, who's now coaching. Um, guys that have played for Mac Brown, like Algie Crumpler. So there's just, there's a, a lot of guys that you could talk to and um excited to get it going.
1: Nice. So really trying to branch out and, and get some guys that I heard, you know, were recruited by Lear Fedora, some guys that were recruited by Butch Davis, and then some guys like Natrone that, you know, were there when Coach Brown was. So that sounds like a very diverse group, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing some of those. Definitely. All right, Taylor. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks again for talking to me. And for everyone listening, we'll talk with you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.